This week in enterprise security news, Simpiris adds vulnerability assessment, security reporting, and auto remediation to its platform. AWS launches Amazon Honeycode to help quickly build mobile and web apps without programming. Ativo Network's advanced protection disrupts ransomware 2.0. Improved threat visibility, defense, and protection across social platforms with Safeguard 7.6, and more. In the second segment, Greg Thomas, lead security engineer at Javion, talks about high trust compliance versus security and diversity in InfoSec. In our final segment, Franz Payer, Payer, sorry, CEO at Cyber Skyline, discusses cybersecurity hiring. Stay tuned for all that and more on this episode of Enterprise Security Weekly. This is Security Weekly for security professionals by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we talk security vendors and aren't afraid to name names. It's Enterprise Security Weekly. The question is simple. Have any of the systems on my network been compromised? The answer is harder than it should be. Enter AI Hunter. Active Countermeasures has automated and streamlined techniques used by the best pen testers and threat hunters in the industry to create AI Hunter, a network threat hunting solution that does the first pass of a hunt for you to identify systems that are most likely to be compromised and scores the results on a scale from 0 to 100. You can then research those systems in depth with AI Hunter. Focus your valuable time on the systems that need your expertise with AI Hunter. Sign up for a personal demo today at securityweekly.com forward slash ACM. Detecting and responding to threats in the cloud is harder than doing it on-prem. Even when you do have the visibility you need, legacy security workflows weren't designed for the speed and complexity of cloud environments. Cloud-native security solutions from ExtraHop are purpose-built to spot threats across the hybrid attack surface, provide detailed investigation steps, and help you automate response. Request your 30-day free trial at securityweekly.com forward slash ExtraHop. Welcome to episode 189 of Enterprise Security Weekly for July 1st to 2020 even. I'm your host, Paul Asadorian, joined by Matt Alderman on the lines remotely. Matt, welcome. Good afternoon, Paul. Happy July. It's the second half of the year. That's it. That's it. Make sure uh, to celebrate the second half of the year that you join our Security Weekly mailing list for webcast and virtual training announcements and receive your personal invite to our Discord server by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash subscribe, clicking the join button. With all the recent changes to Black Hat and DEF CON, we realize that we can keep doing what we do best, host virtual podcasts. Proud to announce Hacker Summer Camp 2020, a Security Weekly virtual live streaming event, August 3rd through August 6th. To reserve your slot now, visit securityweekly.com forward slash summer camp 2020. So if you are a security vendor or working for a security vendor and would like to reserve a slot to do an interview where we talk about why your product is awesome uh, and help explain it to our audience, go to securityweekly.com forward slash summer camp 2020. All right. Johnny, Johnny did amazing work on those graphics. Great graphics, Johnny. Nice work. I love it. Looks awesome. So uh, now we're going to talk about the enterprise security news this week. Where'd you want to start, Matt? Some good stuff. Well, I added, I, and you and added, I added okay. a couple stories. Yeah, there's a couple yeah. stories that I thought were interesting that kind of hit Late last week, I think, and yeah, early this week. Yeah, I probably missed. I knew that, but I didn't go as back as far as I had wanted to because going through two weeks of news is I know, laborious. I know. Yeah. yeah, it's tough. But the the first one is the Tanium raise, right? Tanium raised another $100 million. It looks like Salesforce 
was the one that that mm-hmm. brought most of that money in. And what's interesting in that is, look, we've covered the endpoint space for a long time. We we know who the major players are. This is another big cash infusion. They took two hundred million previously, another hundred million, puts their valuation at nine billion. You know, at some point, you, you expect Tanium to probably file for an IPO and and come out on the uh, public market. It's an so interesting, uh, interesting valuation at nine billion. Yeah, I mean. Certainly not huge. the largest, right? True. Up I, I there, mean, but yeah, CrowdStrike when they're for their IPO, what were they mm-hmm. twelve, fifteen million, something like okay. that? I think yes. they were valued at the IPO. Right. It's a good comparison so, being an endpoint company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Interesting. Yeah. And then the second one is Mm -hmm. uh, privacy software company OneTrust acquires Integris, which is a data discovery classification. So um, OneTrust really focuses more on the privacy side. It really started with GDPR. Now you have CCPA coming into enforcement now that we're in July. And so they acquire Integris to help with some of the, the discovery and classification capabilities tied in with some of the privacy stuff from OneTrust. Interesting to see where where some of the these uh, products go. I am uh, I'm excited about this Empiris announcement adding vulnerability assessment, security reporting, and auto remediation to its DSP, which they describe as a directory services protector. Uh, one of the uh, nice that when we briefed with Empiris a year or two ago, or it was a while ago, um, but I'm really impressed with their technology to be able to back up your Active Directory, and not just back it up but restore it as well, and overcome some of the shortcomings. Uh, and interesting challenges you might have if you're faced with backing up and restoring an entire Active Directory tree or multiple ones, right? Because a lot of companies don't have just one. You've got multiple ones and they might have trust relationships between them. Uh, and some might be hosted locally uh, on, premise, on premises or in the cloud. And how do you do the restore and backup uh, from one platform to another? In other words, an on-premise backup, restoring that to the cloud. From what I understood, that was um, where Semperis really added value was allowing you to do that, that the built-in tools didn't do that. If my memory reser- serves me correctly, if you're listening from Semperis and you want to correct me, please do. Um, but I'm excited about now, since they have all of that knowledge about your Active Directory, why not provide some monitoring to your Active Directory uh, tree, it kind of reminded me of Javelin, right? And mm-hmm. that really uh, continuous monitoring and ability to do remediation uh, within Active Directory w- is awesome. And Javelin did a great job with that, right? Had a great exit uh, with Symantec. So to see some Paris uh, delving more into the security side is encouraging for me because, I mean, AD security is still, is still a thing, obviously, right? Yeah, and I think it's interesting now that they've added the security capability to their platform. Is this filling a gap that Javelin and Semantic, you know, are, are kind of open back up in the marketplace? Because right. we know what's happened. You know, I think it was a great exit for Javelin to go to Semantic, but then with Semantics break up into two pieces and, and the commercial side being yeah, bought by Broadcom. I think it slowed a lot of their go-to-market, right? Because I, I haven't heard about, you know, it doesn't come on our radar that they've got awesome products and there's no buzz about it anymore. Which is kind of right. sad because the team is still, from my understanding, the team is still there and they're awesome. You had Guy and several others. I mean, they're just absolute ninjas with Active Directory and created an awesome product that solved people's problems, which is what we love, right? Yeah, but I think it's just with the Broadcom acquisition, there's been mm-hmm. a lot of like what's happening with Semantic, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of changes over there at the leadership level uh, across the board. So obviously, Semperis is kind of an opening to 
bring more security yes. capabilities to Active Directory, probably to fill some of that gap. Yeah, awesome stuff. Um, what else? Oh, we can go lots of different directions. This uh, um, the social platform one. I, I thought of Zero Fox when I was reading this article, but is this a Zero Fox competitor? Is that? Yeah, I believe so. Mm. Yeah, because I, I was thinking the same thing, Paul. Mm. I'm looking at this going, it sounds a lot like Zero Fox, right? I mean, because yeah. Zero Fox was really one of the first ones out really looking at the social media platforms and putting different protections in place around the different social media properties. Uh, so, yeah, this looks like a competitor to Zero Fox. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I like the what I liked about Zero Fox was the active protection, right? Like not just trying to spin off of threat feeds, which you should do, which there's value in that as well. But I liked the kind of like active monitoring uh, component to Zero Fox. Um, so you can get things earlier in the cycle rather than like after stuff has happened um, is the way I understood it. So I'd be interested to see, you know, a demo from Safeguard and see what they've got uh, going on because, uh, you know, this is, more and more of a thing that I think enterprises have to adopt. And there's a lot of different use cases that I think recent events um, with protests and riots and global pandemics that have occurred this year, social media monitoring is becoming more important for just business continuity and, and intel in general that you might make different decisions based on physical security, based on people working from home and, you know, cybersecurity. I, I think it's it's good stuff and it's going to uh, open up a lot of opportunity if used correctly. Yeah, we're also seeing a lot of attack shift off also over to the social media platforms yeah. and SMS and, and other types of services. So we can't think about just phishing as an email problem anymore. You see it on the social media platforms. You're seeing it through text and, and other chat services, right? So, it, you know, we things are shifting. And as we use more of that technology, it's definitely going to continue to be an attack area that has to be protected. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Codefresh raises twenty-seven million in funding. Yeah, I was I was trying to get through this one and and try to figure out kind of what they're doing. It looks like a a CI/CD pipeline company trying to bring a lot of the pieces of, of building out your your uh, code coding environment all into a single place. Um, we see a lot of technologies here. There's a lot of open source products here. There's there's different pieces, parts all over the place. Um, so, you know, pretty crowded space, but, you know, they're, they're raising money. On their website, there uh, there was a link. I didn't click on it to see what they were making the investments in. It, I, right. you know, if I spent a little more time prepping this morning, I probably would have figured out it's probably sales and marketing, but could be something else. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, we actually talked about this, I think even last week, right? How there's so many different technologies and so many pieces in that CICD pipeline, and you can go get point solutions in all the areas where I think there's going to be a lot of market growth is in companies like this that can consolidate it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly right. If they can consolidate it and integrate certain security kind of checks yeah. along the way, right. having that all-in-one solution and bringing it all together definitely has its advantages. Well, I think they have to make it easier to do that, right? I mean, because I'm doing it today, right? I mean, there's if you look at them all as individual products and projects, it, it's the amount of time is you know overwhelming. If someone can help make that a little easier, right, and satisfy requirements, that's going to be the hard part is everyone's CICD pipeline is different. And in fact, if you're a large enterprise and you've got a thousand pieces of, you know, projects of software, uh, each one might be different. So, 
And that kind of ties into the second story with Puppet and Relay, which is kind of their event-driven automation platform. Again, can you tie some of these pieces together? Can you think of this as kind of sore for for the software space? Yeah. Um, You know, now you can do some event-driven automation, again, tying these different pieces together. So Relay is Puppet's new announcement to help try to integrate and, and automate aspects of the pipeline as well. Yeah, and I, I think that, um, you know, Puppet, Chef, and Ansible are all valid technologies to help, you know, that CICD pipeline and in integration and automation. Uh, and everyone's got a slightly different use case, you know, for all of them. Uh, and you do see some of the parent companies making announcements, um, I think, to help further them into the enterprise, right? Because yeah. if you can get an enterprise using one out of those three, you know, then then you're good. Um, still a lot of manual work and integration, kind of the same thing, you know, we talked about with CodeFresh. Yeah. Uh, the, that one also then ties into AWS launches Amazon Honeycode to help you quickly build mobile and web apps without programming. So this was a pretty interesting announcement because what they're trying to do is allow applications to be built without coding. And so I, you know, maybe I, this is something I should try out since I haven't coded in, you know, 20 some years, um, see how well it works. But my only concern here is we, we did a segment on application security weekly mm-hmm. uh, on Monday. We were talking a little bit about these code pipelines from the cloud providers, right? They're providing a lot of service capabilities and in, in building your code. But one of the things that's not inherently in these pipeline capabilities is security. And yeah. so I, I'm a little worried that we're going down the same path with this honey code is that, yeah, it's great in order to build these apps very quickly, but where is security embedded in these types of coding platforms. Uh, and John Kinsella had written a post about where you should integrate yeah. different security components into the different platforms. He'll have to update it now for Honeycode because I think that's potentially one of those gaps is where security in this offering. Because it doesn't say build secure mobile apps. It no. says build mobile apps, leaving that security piece up to you. And while you may not be writing code necessarily, there's code being generated in the background. Um, Absolutely. And so that needs to be secure. That also needs to go into a pipeline, which also needs security around it, to John's point, right? Yes. Yeah. And so just because I'm not doing any programming doesn't mean there's not code with binaries that have vulnerabilities embedded in them. How do you address those issues in something like a Honeycode uh, offering mm-hmm. if, if security isn't part of the, the main piece? Anyways, it's just something that has to be thought about. And and look, to, to Amazon's point, they're like saying, hey, leverage my services, leverage my platform. I'll make it really, really easy to build code. Just may not be secure. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I wanted to talk about SaltStack announced SaltStack Enterprise 6.3, which is awesome. Yeah, this was a this was an interesting, uh, you know, we know Mayhew, uh, SaltStack's been a sponsor, um, working on getting them back on the show. What's interesting about this announcement is these integrations, right? And so you've got, you know, Splunk from a from a sim perspective. You got Tenable, Qualys Rapid Seven from a vulnerability management perspective, and then Kenna is in this announcement, which is on the prioritization mm-hmm. side. So, if you think about what SaltStack has built in being able to identify some of the misconfigurations, now they're integrating in some logging capabilities. They're integrated in some vulnerability management and prioritization capabilities. And I think it's to help 
on the action side. If I really yeah. think about SaltStack's value proposition in this announcement is the ability to automate the remediation pieces. And so having these integrations and providing more contextual data for the automation makes sense. The one interesting overlap is that Qualys has VMDR and Rapid7 has some SOAR capabilities also in here. So, you know, they're also overlapping and competing with parts of who they're integrating with. Choose your own adventure. Where do you want to do the vulnerability or exposure identification? Where do you want to do the config management? And where do you want to do the remediation, right? Right. It's basically where we're seeing the market go and have a lot of different options. And I think we were saying this last week or the week before, Matt, that it's hard when we talk about the three big VM vendors, it's hard to even have like build a database of checks that can compete, right? I mean, we did some analysis when we were at Tenable and you know the, the vast amount of coverage you get from those very mature VM vendors, you can't just forget about that, right? Because I think there is value there and integrations uh, are where you're going to see a lot of folks going in terms of VM. Now you can add stuff on top of that and I think get pretty good coverage. Not that coverage is the only thing, but the, to me, there's a tolerance level you know, with coverage, right? Like how, how much can I know I'm not really checking for um, is, is the question, right? And that's going to vary per environment, systems, and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah, and I think SaltStack brings some interesting configuration capabilities mm -hmm. that augment some of the limitations that I think Tenable and Rapid7 have over a Qualys, for example, and, and really try to bring that other component uh, to the table as well. But again, you're right. Coverage is gets a little challenging here in some respects. I, I think the three major VM players are so close. Mm. It, it's it's pittance, I think, differences. I mean, at least in the research that you and I had done previously. Uh, but when you add in the configuration component, I think that's where SaltStack also can provide a lot of additional value above yep. and beyond what some of the core VM players are doing. Absolutely. Uh, what else we got this week? Uh, Elastic Enterprise Search, tools to bring experiences to market quickly. Announcement from Elastic. Uh, Elastic Workplace Search and App Search with easy flexibility across platforms and global regions. I'm not quite sure exactly what that means. Don't either. Okay. I wanted to cover the Ativo one, actually. Okay. Well, we'll get Elastic uh, to talk about their announcement as well. They are a sponsor. Yeah, because so. yeah, well, they are a sponsor on PSW. So, yeah, yeah. they can probably clarify some of that. Absolutely. Which one did you want to go to? The Ativo Networks announcement oh, yeah. of, around ransomware. Um, so I've been talking to Carolyn and the team over at Ativo, and they're doing some really interesting things with deception. You know, we've, we've talked a little bit about deception. I don't think we've mm. had a couple interviews with various uh, players in the space. And deception has uh, some interesting potential use cases. And here's one where they use deception to really look at mitigating ransomware attacks, which I thought was interesting uh, use case for deception. And, and what they've done is at the endpoint layer, they've added some capabilities here to mask certain access to the endpoint to prevent some of these ransomware attacks to actually uh, get executed on the endpoint. So I, I thought it was an interesting way. Uh, they talk about uh, how some of the EDR and EPPs don't really have some of those capabilities built into them. So I think this is kind of a, a partnership correlation with endpoint mm -hmm. detection response and some of their deception technologies that provide uh, some very interesting capabilities here. 
What, what I find interesting, and they touch on this in the article, is you know what attackers do when they're trying to execute a ransomware attack. And what I find disturbing for me is you, you have a company that's the victim of ransomware, and they say, well, you know, the, the attackers didn't get any PII. And I'm like, really? How do you know that? Because if they have access to your files to encrypt it, well, how do you know they didn't make a copy of it and exfiltrate it? You know, and then you talk about DLP or, you know, what did you do to detect that they exfiltrated the data or not before they encrypted it, right? And that's an interesting play for deception, right, to see that if, you know, there was a deceptive target that was maybe exfiltrated, you can probably keep closer tabs on that than you could uh, actual data because you're looking for attacker behavior, right? Uh, right. in, in deception and purposely setting up so that an attacker will access that. And so I think that's an interesting play because the trend that, that you know, we've been seeing in ransomware is, you know, the double whammy of, yep, we got your data. And by the way, we encrypted of it, but we have a copy of it and you can monetize twice off that or more right. if you want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, not only am I getting monetization to give you the encryption key to get your data back, I also have your data. So I'm going to go sell it on the dark web as well mm -hmm. since I have it. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, and then I and can, we all know the and we all know the limitations of the DLP solutions that are out there to detect against some exactly, of this as well. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah, that that's my point. Uh, let's see. Uh, this Dehua Technologies. Have you heard of these folks before? No, I had not, and and I didn't get a chance to do a deep enough dive into what they were providing. At yeah, all. they're doing some kind of networking. Uh, the internet, Ethernet through P2P or IP can be operated remotely, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I didn't read that one in any great detail either. Uh, so I interesting on the networking side. Uh, Threat coaching yeah. is uh, integrating with Intel 471 cybercrime intelligence, uh, you know, more threat feed uh, kind of stuff, which is interesting. I'm seeing a lot of organizations still, you know, somewhat struggling with what feeds they bring in and how to make that data actionable. Um, I haven't caught up with threat caution uh, in some time, but I think that there's an increasing number of feeds that uh, are available and evaluating which ones you should use is still a challenge for many enterprises. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you, we've had, you know, sponsors like Recorded Future in the past that were aggregating a lot of this data together as, as kind of a main feed in, into your SIM and some of the other stuff. This announcement's a little interesting, though, Paul, because they're trying to integrate with some of the, the cybercrime intelligence data that's more closed source. And so when you... I, I think there is some very interesting value. I think it's going to be very industry-specific, though, where you see specific types of cyber crimes, like maybe against the financials, the insurers, maybe the healthcare industry, you correlate the threat data that Threat Quotient has with the cyber crime closed source data, might provide a little more insight into what are the active attacks and what are the active cyber criminals doing at the time that might help you prioritize. But again, it has to make it easier from an actionability perspective for it to provide value. So I think, you know, it'd be interesting to see how people adopt this integration mm. and, and see kind of the results that they get from this correlated data. Yeah. I, I think, you know, when I think about this particular challenge, you, you know, you could almost end up with a set of data from feeds that completely is not relevant or useful. Right. But if you change where those feeds are coming from and maybe how you're using it, it can have a tremendous amount of value. And I think that's where, you know, the, some of the struggles are uh, with threat intelligence is tuning it basically for your, 
uh, organization. And there's multiple layers. Like, you know, Threat Quotient is importing all those feeds, and then there's all the feeds you may go directly to, and there's open source feeds. So kind of interesting. Yep. And then you have your your your, your shared feeds from the different uh, ISACs, right, that potentially play in here as well. But what was interesting about Intel 471 is it's a closed source. So, yeah. you know, having having access to some of this data might provide some additional value, and, and probably that's why Threat Quotient did the integration. Absolutely. That'll round out the news for this week. Stay tuned. Interview coming up next.